There's a battle and the mind wants to win, especially if you're smart, intelligent, aware, able to process a big, high level of complexity. If you are open and if you are truly a critical thinker. But there's something else. You see, the mind is beautiful, but there is something else. It's holistic. It's not mind only. There's more space. And it's something that I and others refer to as body wisdom. I straddle my mind and body wisdom all the time. I speak of a creative and holistic life a lot. I navigate the world of business and strategy and creativity and I welcome challenge, especially challenging my own assumptions. But there's something else required to balance it out, to allow for joy, peace, harmony, and that's body wisdom. Knowing when you need to pause, be quiet, be still, not react. It doesn't just come down to character. It comes down to an ability to tune into your instinct and intuition. And when we are so mind identified, it's not possible to do this so much. We become robotic in our responses, how we approach difference and diversity of thought. We relay the same thinking on loop. We program ourselves to react and respond in the way that allows for our mind to feel content, even our ego, to feel like it's okay. Body wisdom is a refuge for me. It's something that requires cultivation, though. You can't just have it. It requires space and time and attention. Yes, communing with nature helps you get there. Yes, reading and listening deprivation helps you get there. Being present to mundane tasks without our senses being filled by something else. A podcast, music is an exception for me, but silence. Our mind doesn't want silence, but it's happy once it's <laughs> once it has it. You see, body wisdom allows you to get truly present. In a conversation, for example, whereas when we are so mind identified, we are already calculating and it's stepping away from that calculating mindset, which absolutely is incredible when wrestling with complex ideas. But I feel a life with only critical thinking with only mind acrobatics would drive me mad. So this is why body wisdom is so, so vital. Now we can't all be the same, but I believe we all have access to it. Before I get into a little bit more about body wisdom and why it's so important 
to me, I want to read a little bit from The Untethered Soul, The Journey Beyond Yourself, Michael A. Singer. It's the number one New York Times bestseller. As usual, you know, you get the slogan, the sorry, the strap line, more than a million copies sold. I'm sure that by this time, there's several million. <laughs> so very quickly from chapter one, the voice inside your head. Shoot, I can't remember her name. What is her name? Dawn. Here she comes. What is it? Sally? Sue? She just told me yesterday. What's the matter with me? This is going to be embarrassing. In case you haven't noticed, you have a mental dialogue going on inside your head that never stops. It just keeps going and going. Have you ever wondered why it talks in there? How does it decide what to say and when to say it? How much of what it says turns out to be true? How much of what it says is even important? And if right now you are hearing, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have any voice inside my head. That's the voice we're talking about. If you're smart, you'll take the time to step back, examine this voice and get to know it better. The problem is you are too close to be objective. You have to step back and watch it converse. While you're driving, you hear internal conversations like, wasn't I supposed to call Fred? I should have, oh my God, I can't believe I forgot. He's going to be so mad. He may never talk to me again. Maybe I should stop and call him right now. No, I don't want to stop the car right now. Notice that the voice takes both sides of the conversation. It doesn't care what side it takes, just as long as it gets to keep on talking. When you are tired and trying to sleep, it's the voice inside your head that says, what am I doing? I can't go to sleep yet. I forgot to call Fred. I remember in the car, but I didn't call. Blah, blah, blah. No wonder you can't sleep. Why do you even tolerate that voice talking to you all the time? Even if what it's saying is soothing and nice, it's still disturbing everything you're doing. If you spend some time observing this mental voice, the first thing you'll notice is that it never shuts up. When left to its own, it just talks. Imagine if you were to see someone walking around constantly talking to himself, you'd think he was strange. You'd wonder, if he's the one who's talking and he's the one who's listening, he obviously knows what's going to be said before he says it, so what's the point? The same is true for the voice inside your head. Why is it talking? It's you who's talking and it's you who's listening. And when the voice argues with itself, who is it arguing with? Who could possibly win? It gets very confusing. So if you watch carefully, you'll see that it's just trying to find a comfortable place to rest. It will change sides in a moment, if that seems to help. And it doesn't even quiet down when it finds out that it's wrong. It simply adjusts its viewpoint and keeps on going. If you pay attention, these mental patterns will become obvious to you. It's actually a shocking realisation when you first notice that your mind is constantly talking. You might even try to yell at it in a feeble attempt to shut it up. 
but then you realise that's the voice yelling at the voice. Obviously you can't shut it up that way. The best way to free yourself from this incessant chatter is to step back and view it objectively. Just view the voice as a vocalising mechanism that is capable of making it appear like someone is in there talking to you. Don't think about it, just notice it. No matter what the voice is saying, it's all the same. It doesn't matter if it's saying nice things you... Or sorry, it doesn't matter if it's saying nice things or mean things worldly things or spiritual things it doesn't matter because it's still just a voice talking inside your head in fact the only way to get your distance from this voice is to stop differentiating what it's saying stop feeling that one thing it says is (laughs) you and the other thing it says is not you if you're hearing it talk it's obviously not you you're the one who hears a voice you're the one who notices that it's talking i'm going to stop there just because it'll, it might start sounding a little bit. Woo-hoo. So I don't, I don't want to get too abstract, but what I'm getting at is this awareness of our mind that takes a position or is aware of a position that can be taken and how it can just run with that and what that does is it can take you out of the moment, a moment where you, if you were truly present and your mind wasn't trying to identify patterns within that conversation in order to find a comfortable place to belong within that discourse, then what are we missing out on? So, Since I started Life Vocabulary, the podcast, the conversations with creatives, I used to think that it was about critical thinking and having an open mind. And I've come to learn that actually not so much has it been about discourse and debate it's been about just being really present to a conversation and just seeing what comes up and not being so mind identified in the sense it's a practice to be present to see what comes up with both voices in the conversation and see where that takes us it's like a creative process when you start painting and you just let your your the stroke your hand you just let it go so let's get into body wisdom and how others describe it and then I'll finish off this episode so this excerpt is from drrachel.com don't you just love <laughs> marketing and branding for those with letters at the end of their names. It's like me calling myself Dr. Serena. It's got quite a nice ring to it, but anyway. So she says, we are all gifted with innate body wisdom. Being body wise means connecting to the great intelligence that has evolved in our bodies through millennia of evolution. This embedded body wisdom kept us safe, helped us forage for food and helped us find good mates. 
in our modern culture with our ability to eat, work, travel and communicate without paying almost any attention at all to our body's sensations, it is easy to forget that our body is constantly speaking to us. In the most basic of ways, sensing hunger, pain or fatigue and in more complex gut intuitions about people and situations, our bodies speak to us all the time. I'm going to pause there for a second. So so being more aware or being able to tune in to this speaking, this communication that our body has with us, that's what I, I guess I'm getting at when I talk about cultivating body wisdom, cultivating this, this connection, right? And that's why I, on many of my platforms, whether it's here on my life vocabulary podcast or TikTok or Instagram, that's why I talk about holistic practices such as yoga, not in the way that we will come to know and learn about yoga, but really just becoming much more present and practicing that presence with ourselves through body and movement, sorry, body movement and breath, etc, etc, that we start to refine and strengthen that connection so that we can hear our bodies speak to us. I'll carry on. Dr. Rachel says, as a physician, I believe that my patient's ability to sense and interpret their own body intelligence is the most important diagnostic tool I have in the room. For example, my patients, if they can pay attention to their body's communication, can differentiate between belly pain that is caused by something they ate, belly pain that is caused by stress or anxiety, or belly pain that is from something more serious like a diseased gallbladder or appendix. So I think I think wherever you sit on this subject, you can all you can all attest to the fact that at some point in your life, you've been able to sense, diagnose what's going on with you. And that's essentially body wisdom. It's knowing what's really going on with you that isn't coming from your mind as such. It's not It's not coming from any kind of data from outside of you. Even I I would even go as far to say that our mind is outside of us because there's something else, that space between external things and even our mind and the constant chatter and the mind that just hosts so much data. But it's it's a data set, if you like. It's, it's a repository it's not got its own, gosh, dare I say it, intuition. I feel as if it's not self-generating. I don't believe it to be. I believe it to be an incredible, an incredible muscle that is able to tackle all kinds of uh, obstacles, mental obstacles, um, it can navigate that, but I don't think it it can generate its own 
new ideas in this in the way that when we are present truly present in a creative process and we channel something else so that's why I bring creativity into this sort of holistic approach to living it's not just about the mind and its incredible ability but also there's something else if we channel if we are present what we can create what comes to us root and branch dot cc say well they've quoted john keho k-e-h-o-e the body has its own wisdom and ways of knowing separate and distinct from that of the mind the mind thinks while the body feels from each of these ways of knowing we get valuable information just as seeing and hearing are two totally distinct senses which supply us with discrete sensations so too the body gives us different feedback than the mind our bodies have a special and unique relationship with the vibrating matrix of our reality one which we can learn to tap into and be informed from they say on root and branch in our culture We're not used to listening to this body wisdom. We treat our bodies as if they are something to be overcome with willpower. If I were stronger or better, then I wouldn't eat like I do. We eat on a schedule instead of according to our hunger and fullness. We force ourselves to eat whatever foods are part of the latest diet trend because we believe we should in order to be healthy rather than eating what would be truly nourishing and satisfying. It can be a challenge to overcome this programming and tune into what is really going on inside. It is a process that starts with slowly building awareness and opening space for a new way of looking at food and its connection to our body and our well-being. Will Meacham, MD. Listening to the body is a practice that requires mindfulness and patience. It demands attention to detail, to subtle shifts in sensation. But as you listen more and more, you will learn to trust the body's wisdom. And it's, I guess, this attention to detail, these subtle shifts in sensation. When I'm in conversation with somebody or if I am... If, I, if I'm reflecting on an interaction or a situation that is highly emotive, I am doing my best not to react and not to essentially be led by my, by my pool of data in, in terms of my pattern and my assumptions and who who is sort of the Serena who is already conditioned to believe something, I will do my absolute best to not communicate from that place, to not reflect from that place. I would really want to be, again, acknowledging what my where my mind wants to take me, where my mind wants to led, lead me, but I don't want to be led by my mind. I want to be led by something else, and it's paying attention to those subtle shifts and in sensation that I'm getting at. ChristyArban.com She's talking about 
how to tune into the wisdom of our body, our cultural conditioning has generally encouraged us to cease listening to the wisdom of our body and as a result we are cut off from a vast source of wisdom that is literally with us all the time. Why don't we tune into the wisdom of our body? Modern science Modern medicine and science took away our need to listen to signals from our own body in many cases. When we start to feel uncomfortable and scared about our body, we can go to the doctor or our therapist or we can take a pill to help alleviate our pain. These are all good resources to have, but in the process of turning toward professionals and science, many of us have lost the ability to look to our own body wisdom first. The influence of science and the medical model have led us to a loss of faith in the wisdom of the body in favour of looking to external sources of authority, scientists, teachers, doctors, therapists. Let me pause there. The same goes for when we have an emotional crisis. We tend to immediately go for our usual go-tos, which may be a book or a source of information or an opinion rather than communing with ourselves, the self that's not the mind, the self that is just happy to be doing the mundane activity without any kind of external stimuli, without any answers. It's not relying on answers, opinions, data from an external source, rather relying on an internal source. That takes some patience though. Patience because our mind will interfere in that process and be like, what are you doing? This isn't working. What's the point of this? Where's where's the evidence for this? Blah, 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 blah. blah. So unless you've done it, unless you've experienced it, your mind is going to want to essentially tear down tear down my whole my whole argument let's carry on the body is often seen as dangerous and not to be trusted especially the mysterious and magical body of women while hard sciences are seen as being more credible we feel more comfortable when things are reducible this happens because of that and we also feel more comfortable when we believe things are predictable when i do this i can be sure of that outcome We like to be sure of things, relying on body wisdom that might seem mysterious and unpredictable can feel scary. Science and medicine might see to offer us the kinds of certainty our safety-seeking brain wants. I, I don't think I could put it better than that. The decline of a sense of spirituality. Uh oh, here goes. I hope I don't lose you here. Spirituality is no longer a cultural norm. As we moved away from the spirit towards science, we left our body and moved into our heads. In times past, treating pain in the body was both a physical and a spiritual practice. There was a sense that healing came both from medicine and from spirit. Many of us have kept the medicine part of the equation but have discarded the impact our soul and spirit have on our healing. Even while modern medicine has found support for the placebo effect where we experience healing through beliefs, it's generally not considered a legitimate form of healing. Hard sciences are considered king. Fear of the memories in our body. 
Regardless of trauma history, many people are not in touch with their body. According to Stacey K. Haynes, co-director of methodology at the Strozzi Institute for Embodied Leadership, about 80% of the people who she sees in her work need to be reintroduced to the sensations in their body. This statistic likely translates to the broader population. There aren't many of us who are intimate with our body, often for good reason. Getting back in touch with our body can be a daunting task, not only because we have forgotten how to do it, but also because we might be afraid of what we'll find when we get there. But learning to get in touch with our body can simultaneously connect us with the wisdom of our body and also when done with self-compassion help to tend to the memories and difficult emotional material stored in our bodies as long as we go slowly and seek strategies to do this safely we can learn to get back in touch with our body and it's probably why I'm a I, I encourage people to do this yoga practice it's called yoga nidra and yes I'm 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 a yoga teacher but I, I haven't trained in yoga nidra or nidra depending on its source and pronunciation um but it's the kind of practice where you are essentially in uh, savasana which is a lying down corpse pose and very comfortable and you become very present to your body and the sensations within it and you bring your awareness to each part of your body and before you know it the end of the 10 15 20 30 minute practice you have managed to quiet your mind and when you do that you just experience such deep relaxation you can search for yoga nidra n-i-d-r-a meditation practice on youtube it's super easy to find a really good 10 15 20 minute as soon as you play um, a video where you will just listen you'll know if you like the voice and you're happy to listen to it and I find that when I do these kinds of practices not only do I wake up from that well let's just say it drives me into a nap state but I come out of it feeling much less resistant to what's going on the resistance eases so any kind of struggle I'm having emotional mental struggle I'm experiencing actually eases significantly after doing a practice like that from any kind of meditative practice where I am tuning back into the wisdom of my body if you like I find that I'm able to channel new ideas or new things come to me by like almost like solutions in a way in the way that when I am in the creative process and I'll suddenly decide to do something different back to this source which is Christy Arben Present moment awareness is a doorway to future possibilities and creativity. Once we can cultivate a sense of being able to be kindly with our internal experience through practices of awareness, affection, courage and connection, we're able to turn toward the information in our body. We can use that information to our advantage to respond in the world rather than having vague sensations that we don't tend to 
that leave us feeling uneasy without quite knowing why. Focusing teacher, wow, a teacher about focusing, okay. Anne Pfizer Cornell tells us that the feeling in the present moment is a doorway to countless future possibilities. This is a problem with a quote like this. It turns people completely off. So whilst I am a big advocate for body wisdom, I also know that there's certain language that most definitely will turn someone completely off. And I've probably spouted some myself, but I I just don't think it's helpful. I don't think it's going to like really bring people into this when we are saying the feeling in the present moment is a doorway to countless future possibilities. I mean, we need to break that down. The mind wants to break it down, especially if it hasn't had experience of this before. And that's why there's so many people that I have become acquainted with um, or know who are such brilliant minds, but they're not comfortable with this concept or this experience of body wisdom. And I would lose them if I was to speak to them in that way. Let's carry on before we finish. Mind in our head, heart and gut. Theories of mind-body connections, including Stephen Porger's Oh gosh, I'm going to really, I'm going to mess this name up. But here we go. Stephen Porger's polyvagal perspective have shone a light on the brains in our heart and gut. Information is traveling from our brain to the rest of our body and from the rest of our body to our brain. There is more information moving from our visceral system gut to our brain mind than from our brain body to our visceral system gut. Heart neural networks are known as the cardiac nervous system and gut neural networks are known as the enteric nervous system there is memory and intuitive intelligence in these areas of our body growing evidence points to heart and gut involvement involvement in many body functions and behaviors and given these connections as we settle in our body we will also correspondingly settle in our mind the body can calm the mind untapped resource we don't need to solve everything by thinking alone and we can't always think our way through a situation for some decisions we can rely on our gut or our heart to guide us this may take more time but ultimately it's more authentic and we basically don't have to try so hard we can release the struggle to come to an intellectual conclusion because the way through will become evident by trusting our emergent wisdom we may need to be patient but every situation will come to resolution through the wisdom of our head gut heart or gut sometimes working together for example our heart or gut can inform our head leading to a creative solution so it's it's not even about these sources of truth or these sources of intuition competing with each other they can actually work collaboratively the last source i have here is from the eomega.org and they are i think a bunch of coaches and they say we can use our body as a fortress or as a cathedral protecting ourselves from the possibility of pain or danger or opening ourselves to the beauty and wisdom in every cell we are taught to trivialize our bodily sensations because we are afraid of suffering eros or narcissism so we close ourselves off 
to our deepest yearnings, our desires for love and freedom, our hunger for expressing from the deepest part of ourselves. As coaches, we can support people in honouring the intuitive wisdom emanating from their bodies. In every moment, our subconscious speaks to us through our bodies using a language that is as rich and informative as the language of our native tongue. Our bodies communicate continuously, informing our intuition, which is also known as the sixth sense or somatic intelligence. When we respect the body's intelligence, we raise our consciousness and can make meaning from our immediate experience without the filters that accompany verbal expression. Language is more abstract, one step removed from our actual experience because we edit, label and summarise our somatic emotional experience. Instead of relying so heavily on conversation, we can facilitate growth by using the body as a rich resource to process emotions, instincts and intuition. Listening to the full wisdom of the body reveals emotional emotional patterns, energy shifts and opportunities for transformation. Including the body helps people understand their needs at the cellular level and fully embody their conscious choices. Since learning happens in the body, a a daily embodiment practice helps shift an old habit to a new one. Our desire for change starts in our body to accept the sacred nature of our bodily experience, to attune to our body's vibrations, gives us a felt sense of our internal wisdom that nourishes us. If we don't know how we are feeling, we can scan our bodies for sensations and experience the waves of energy which invariably have a message that helps us discover our emotions. We may notice trembling, tensing, aching or tingling in different parts of the body. The world of thought and evaluation is a tiny fraction of the knowledge that is available to us. Paying attention to the body gives us a deeper sense of our innate wisdom. Without evaluating or manipulating our experience or pressuring ourselves to change, we can come to new discoveries just by witnessing and opening to what is. If we attend to the subtlest cues and stay very quiet, we come into contact with our energy. Whether we are experiencing pure bliss, mild restlessness or utter outrage, Riding the waves of energy and honouring the emerging forces within is an act of self-respect. So, I wonder where you sit now with this whole concept or idea of body wisdom. I know for me that this is probably something that I rely on to guide me through life because if I was to allow my mind to lead and make all my choices I would be repeating the same patterns over and over again because you see my mind is a series of patterns and so it's probably why I'm so um, driven to lead a holistic and creative life because it helps me not only break from those patterns but create new patterns new pathways and be out of my comfort zone and it allows me to do so gently without having to throw myself into a bucket of ice 
even though I actually do take those very icy cold showers and washes, I try to daily. But I hope that body wisdom isn't like an ice bucket challenge for you. I hope it can be something that's kind of cultivated and entered into in a sort of gentle and pleasurable way on a day-to-day basis. In fact, it can happen just with 15 minutes a day. Before I start sounding like the kind of yoga guru or life coach that you (laughs) became allergic to, um, I just want to say before I finish, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Life Vocabulary. And um, this is very much, I would say, the foundation of my content It's about arriving at something, an idea, with more than just our minds. It's probably why I've always been so intrigued about the creative process and what parts of us participate in the creative process because I know it's not just our minds. Thank you again for tuning in. I'm Serena Hussein. This is Life Vocabulary. It's actually my birthday today. And I was up at 4am because the foxes were going nuts outside my house. And on close inspection, after I ventured downstairs from my very comfortable cosy bed, I noticed they had ripped ripped up more items of of gardening supplies in my garden. So that's a little bit of mess for me to clear up today but um, I'm up and I'm about already it's not even 6am and I've recorded this um, and my body's telling me that it's ready to go back to bed so I'm going to do that I hope you enjoyed this episode and um, I'll be back very soon thank you